0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I'm always taken a little aback by how quickly our church year moves from Advent through Christmas, then through this season of Epiphany, and into Lent, which begins this coming Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. It feels like we move from Jesus's birth to his crucifixion so rapidly. It's probably fitting though, his was a short compressed human life. I guess in a way our church year mirrors the, our secular year, in that the rush of the holiday season gains its own momentum around Thanksgiving, which is about when Advent starts. Then there's that glorious, or awful, depending on how you look at it, rush through Christmas and New Year's, followed by a somewhat ordinary time in January. Sometimes it feels like winter may stretch on forever, yet before we know it, the days start getting a little longer, and there is hope for spring. What I'm trying to get at is that on this, our last Sunday of Epiphany, we're we're sort of closing a chapter of the Gospel. Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany have a narrative arc to them that is of a peace. The coming of the Messiah is foretold. We're encouraged to wait in breathless anticipation. Christmas and the Christ child arrive with celebration, angels, and a heavenly host. Then the wise men search Jesus out. And during the season of Epiphany, we hear how Jesus was revealed to and recognized by the world the Gentiles and the Jews alike. Granted, last week we sensed that there was trouble brewing when his own were ready to throw him off of a cliff, but for the last couple of months, we've been hearing how Jesus came to the world for us as Emmanuel, God with us. We've been celebrating Christ incarnate with an emphasis on Christ's humanity. So there's a major shift in our Christian narrative today as we hear the story of Jesus' transfiguration. For one brief and shining moment, three of Jesus' disciples get to see his divinity in all its glory, and we, through their eyes, get to participate in the revelation. If to do more than believe in Jesus, but to take our lives one step further and to actually follow Jesus is our job as Christians and I believe that it is, this story is perfectly placed now at the close of Epiphany before we start to follow Jesus into the 50 days of Lent towards his crucifixion. Today, we, along with Peter and John and James, get to climb the mountain to pray. And as we witness Jesus transfigured, we hear a voice from a cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. Even though it's second-hand, we get to have our own mountaintop experience today. Isn't that what we all want, really? The experience of the presence of God? The rush that we hope would come if we saw God face-to-face? I believe that the three fortunate disciples had a direct experience of the divinity of Jesus that day, and I am grateful that we can share in their experience. It gives us hope, as it must have given them that as we descend the mountain and start down the road to Jerusalem and to the crucifixion that we are following not just a man Jesus, but the man who was much more than just a man Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now I have a confession to make and like most every confession that I've ever made, I make it with some trepidation fear that I will be judged, thought less of, maybe even condemned As much as I believe that Peter and James and John saw firsthand what we are told they saw that day, and as much as I believe and value and am in awe, really, of other people's mountaintop experiences, I've never had one myself. Is this a bad thing for a priest to say? (laughs) If it is, there you have it. I've not had a vision of the heavens opening, or heard a voice from a cloud, or seen Jesus chatting with Moses and Elijah, or was given the certainty that Moses had as he came down from his chat with God on another mountain. Yes, I've wanted that kind of firsthand knock you knock-you-off-your-feet encounter with God all my life, and to this day, I have never gotten it. There was that one time, though, when I was a teenager, and had done some very bad things and was certain that I could never be forgiven for the betrayal that my family felt, and my grandmother took me in her arms and told me that sooner or later everything would be all right, that as long as I tried my best, everything would be forgiven. And she said it was so much love that I believed her. And there were those 20 years of trying to drink myself to death that ended when I finally admitted that I was powerless and asked God to relieve me of my suffering. And I was given the strength to do the necessary work and haven't had to take a drink since. Oh, and there was being hired to renovate St. John's Chapel over here right after the turn of the millennium, and after meeting the kind and gracious people that worked in the church office, deciding to try church again after an absence of 30 years. Slowly, little by little, I discovered that I wanted to follow Jesus and to try to help others learn together how we can do that. And there were those early mornings in the fall on horseback riding up Poison Creek with my son Jack just at sunrise when the whole world turned an indescribable golden rose and everything came into sharp focus. On another early morning I got off the tram at the top of Rendezvous Mountain. My life was a mess and I was trying to make some sense of it. I wanted very badly to believe in salvation through skiing and I wanted to believe I wanted to believe that if I could find the perfect line to the base, maybe I could find my line through life. The most amazing sense of peace came over me with the realization that there is no perfect path, but there are many good paths, and that somehow I would be shown the way. Well, I guess that one did happen on a mountaintop. What I'm clumsily trying to get at here is that no, I've never had that supreme spiritual moment, that pinnacle experience when God spoke directly to me in words that were clear and rational and made rational sense, like the disciples heard on the day of the Transfiguration. I haven't had that mountaintop experience, but looking back over my life, I've had plenty of high hilltop experiences. I probably just didn't recognize them for what they were at the time. I should probably try to be a little more aware of God's grace moving through my life. We have three more days of Epiphany, counting today, and today counts. Let's be grateful for the mountaintop experiences that are testified to in our scripture. I'd like to encourage you each, if you have had that burning bush experience today, to share it with someone else. It deserves to be talked about and testified to. And if you're like me, and your spiritual awakening has been, as William James describes it, as the educational variety, slow and gradual, tell someone else how that worked out for you. We have a responsibility to Jesus and to one another to share the good news. Our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, has encouraged all Episcopalians to actively become members of the Jesus movement. As Jesus moves through our lives in the coming weeks towards his death on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter, let us each recognize the ways we can follow him down the mountain and into the world. Amen.